Hello, and welcome to Wenatchee in the Word, a podcast ministry of Ridgepoint Baptist Church. Our purpose is to help each one of us grow more in love with God by studying and meditating on His Word. We're glad you joined us today. Now, let's see what the Bible has to say. Well, hello there, my friends, to another day of diving into the Word of God. We're going to be in John chapter number 18 today, and we're going to begin in verse 12 in just a moment. I can't believe we're almost done with the book of John. It's only been a few months since we've been going through. Of course, we've only been doing the podcast twice a week. We've had a few breaks here and there, but really just goes to show you that it doesn't take very much time really, to just learn and get into the Word of God. It's said that 15 minutes a day of reading your Bible, and you'll finish reading your Bible in a year. And you'll be surprised, friends, if you get into the Word of God, just how much over time you truly grow. And I hope that this podcast is really helping each and every one of you as it has me to even dive into the Word a little bit more and to understand it and to draw closer to our Savior because of it, falling more in love with Him each and every day, especially as we get into these last few chapters of the book of John. We're really going to be unpacking what our Savior went through for us as He died on the cross, as He was tried. Even uh, in today's episode, we'll see that He was going through, He had already been betrayed, but He's going to be denied. He's going to be Uh, questioned. He's going to actually begin getting beaten even. And so we'll see that as we continue through. If you'll remember, he was just in the Garden of Gethsemane, and uh, Peter, he reacted to the fact that the soldiers were there and pulled out his sword and went to go for a kill shot and ended up cutting the ear off of one of the high priest's servants named Malchus. And Jesus uh, this is the Micah paraphrase, but Jesus basically said, yo, Pete, that's not how we do things, <laughs> and was like, get rid of that sword. We've got to, uh, uh, this. I've got to uh, suffer. I've got to drink of the cup that my Father has given me. And so then it tells us that in verse 12, the uh, band of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews, they take Jesus and they arrest him and bind him. And they lead him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. So John here is just unpacking for us a little bit more about who Caiaphas is and who Annas is, these people that Jesus is going to be questioned by. If you remember back in John chapter 11, when Lazarus was raised from the dead, soon after, that was when some people went to them, and they put out an edict that it is time to get rid of this guy. And Caiaphas specifically said people to the people, it, it's very simple. One man dies so that the rest of us live. And he didn't quite know how prophetic that statement was, that Jesus would die and every one of us would be able to live because of his death. But John here is pulling that back to our memory by saying that's who Caiaphas is. Now, Jesus was brought to Annas first, even though Caiaphas was technically the the ruling high priest. Both Annas and Caiaphas had been high priests. Annas 
was Israel's high priest from about AD 6 to AD 15 when uh, he was put in place there by the Roman rulers. And then uh, Caiaphas was Annas's son-in-law, and he was appointed to high priest soon after. And uh, according to Jewish law, the office of high priest was held for life. Many Jews would have then still considered Annas the high priest and still called him by that title. But although Annas retained a lot of authority among the Jews, Caiaphas would have made the final decisions. Uh, both, and, and that's why we see that these people probably brought him to Annas first before bringing him to Caiaphas. But both Caiaphas and Annas, they cared more about their political ambitions than about their responsibility to lead the people to God. They were religious leaders, but they had become evil. As the nation's spiritual leaders, they should have been sensitive to God's revelation, and they should have known that Jesus was the Messiah uh, because they knew the scriptures, and, and all of the scriptures would have pointed to him as he showed himself, and we've seen that in John chapter 5. He said, search the scriptures, uh, they testify of me. They should have known this, but instead, they, they are so opposed to uh, this man may be taking some of their political uh, clout, their uh, ambitions that they had to uh, have political power. They saw him as a threat to it, and because of that, they wanted to li- eliminate any op- of this opposition. And so instead of uh, honestly evaluating Jesus' claims based on their knowledge of Scripture, these religious leaders, they seek to further their own selfish ambitions even to the point, as we continue through the book of John, we're going to see willing to kill God's son if that's what it took. And so these these men are there going to question Jesus. Now it tells us that uh, he gets to Annas, he's brought to Annas, and in verse 15 it says, And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without. Then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door and brought in Peter. Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of his this man's disciples? And he said, I'm not. So the other disciple that it's talking about is probably John, the, the author of this book. Uh, he knew the high priest and identified himself to the woman at the door. And because of his connections, John would have gotten himself and Peter into the courtyard, but Peter refused to identify himself as Jesus' follower. Uh, and what we're going to see is really going to change Peter's life, the experiences that he goes through in the next few hours. But during the night, Jesus has a trial a pre-trial hearing, really, before Annas, before he's taken to Caiaphas and the entire high council. But uh, we already know, if you'll recall in John chapter 13, Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him. He said, this very night, before the, before the rooster crows, okay, you're going to deny me three times. And already we've seen here in verse number 17, that as John has gotten Peter into the courtyard and he's going in, the the young girl who's there at the at the gate of that courtyard says to Peter, "Aren't you also one of his disciples?" 
And Peter says, No, I'm not. And the servants and officers stood there who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold. And they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. So it's about to give us a parenthetical of what's taking place with Jesus, but Peter is here next to a fire, most likely watching what is taking place with Jesus and and the questions that he's about to be asked. Verse 19, the high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whither the Jews always resort. And in secret have I said nothing. Why askest thou me? Ask them which heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I said. So Annas asks Jesus about his disciples, perhaps because of fear or jealousy. And then he also wanted to know about Jesus's doctrine. What, what are you teaching uh, that might maybe be a concern to the religious establishment? Annas basically brought to Jesus before him and asked, tell us all of what you're guilty of and everyone who's with you. And in his reply, Jesus didn't mention his disciples at all. He protected them, it seems, in every way possible. So Jesus says to Annas, I did not have some secret doctrine or teaching that could be revealed under interrogation, okay? I spoke openly to the world. My teaching was open in the synagogues and in the temple. Jesus could even say, in secret, I have said nothing. I haven't said anything in secret. So why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me and what I said to them. Now, in saying this, Jesus wasn't being uncooperative. He was really asserting his legal right. There, there was not to, supposed to be a formal charge against the accused until witnesses has been, had been heard and had been found to be truthful. And it was the high priest's duty to call forth the witnesses first, beginning with those for the defense. And they were supposed to go through that. And these these basic legal protections for the accused under Jewish law, uh, we don't see them observed at all in the trial of Jesus. So Jesus was therefore claiming that if his teaching was in question, evidence should be heard in the normal way. If you're, if you're asking about my teaching, then where are my witnesses? Where are the people who heard my teaching that can speak against or speak for what I have said? And that's what Jesus is saying there when he says, ask the witnesses, people who have asked, who have heard me. And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, answerest thou the high priest so? So an anonymous officer uh began the physical abuse of Jesus that would end in his crucifixion. It begins here. This man smacks him upside the head and says, is that how you're supposed to talk to your high priest? And Jesus answers to him and says, if I've spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? He says, if I've spoken evil, then bear witness of that evil, testify to it. But if I have spoken well, then why are you hitting me? Why are you getting physically abusive? And Annas, after that, then sends Jesus bound, still in most, in some kind of fetters or, or handcuffs or something, sends him bound to then Caiaphas, the high priest. 
Now remember, this entire time, we know from verse uh, from verse eighteen that Peter is standing by watching by a fire, and it picks that back up in verse twenty five when it says. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? They asked him if he was also one of the disciples. Second time he's been asked. And he denies it and says, I'm not. Then one of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. So, um, secondly, he the second person asks, G- Peter denies knowing Jesus. The third person, interestingly enough, is a relate has a relationship somehow, brother, cousin, something, to Malchus, the very one that Peter cut his ear off in the garden just a few moments before all of this, maybe within the last hour or two hours that that took place. And so he, if anyone was going to remember this man, it would have been this guy. Yeah, I know I saw you. You cut off the ear of my brother or of my cousin. You you cut his ear off. You definitely are one of them. And Peter denies it uh, the third time. Now, Matthew 26 uh, tells us that Peter, when he denied the third time, denied with cursing, with swearing, hoping that that would make him make these people think even more that he's not associated with Jesus. And immediately after this third time of denial, it says that the rooster crowed. This fulfillment of what Jesus said, as, as we saw in John 13, must have immediately reminded Peter of the prediction Jesus made in the upper room. In fact, in one of the accounts, I believe it's the Luke account, it says that the Lord turns after the after the rooster crowed, the Lord turns and makes eye contact with Peter, sees Peter, and Peter remembers how Jesus said before the rooster crows that you would deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly, it tells us. And what this reminds me of, that as I look at this and see what Jesus started to go through, and especially Peter watching it take place, most likely he saw that person hit Jesus, and it would have made him fearful. And I'm not making excuses for Peter at all, um, but I do want to caution myself from putting too much judgment on Peter too quickly. Because I know in my own life how many times I've failed the Lord. <laughs> I, I think of the many times, even this week and today, where my uh, thoughts or my words or my actions towards someone else were not honoring or glorifying to the Lord. And it's convicting to know that I too, like Peter, have failed. And what I see from this is, first of all, that what Jesus says will take place, what God says will take place, will. His word will always be fulfilled. And he said that uh, that Peter would deny him three times before the rooster crowed, and it happened. 
But I also love the, this thought as we see Peter's denial, Peter's failure, and his uh, bitter weeping because of it. We see the faithfulness of our God. We truly do, because we have the, the privilege to know the end, that this isn't the end of this story for Peter. Now, we're going to see a little bit even more when we get to the last chapter of, of John in chapter number 21, an amazing conversation between Jesus and Peter. But we also know that in the book of Acts, Peter did amazing things. He preached on the day of Pentecost and saw thousands come to know the Lord and be baptized. He was the one who was the first to proclaim the word of God to Cornelius in Acts chapter number 10. And because of the fact that Cornelius got saved, the gospel started to spread to Gentiles. And we today have the gospel because of that act that Peter did. So we know this isn't the end of the story for Peter. And it reminds us that our God is faithful, despite the fact that we will fail him, despite the fact that we may even, like Peter, deny him or live in a way that denies him in front of others. Even knowing that, our God is faithful to give us a second chance and to still use us in his work each and every day. And so as we go through this day, may we not focus on the failures when they take place, repent of them, turn back to the Lord. We see Peter do that in just a few chapters. Repent, turn back to the Lord, but remember it is not over. God does not define us by our failures. He defines us by his love for us. And we can rest in that truth knowing he can still and will still, if we submit to him, use us in his working. So I hope that's a help today, my friends, as we walk through the day. Just remember the faithfulness of our loving God. Despite our shortcomings and failures, he can and will continue to use us. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe to it or share it with your friends. You can hit that share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media. And if you're from the Wenatchee area, we'd love to see you at Ridgepoint sometime. Find out more about our ministry at WenatcheeChurch.com. Thanks again for listening. God bless.